0: The devil is always in the detail, and many years ago I was given the task of delivering a wire-braced Rotax 503 Drifter from Boona to Tibberborough. Now, you might be thinking, this sounds like an epic adventure in a true open cockpit rag-and-tube aircraft. And you'd be right. Even so, my outback adventure almost came to an abrupt end. Let me explain. This particular model of Drifter had a total fuel capacity of 60 litres. And with a general cruise speed of 50 to 55 knots, or about 100 kilometres an hour, its range was somewhat limited. So, in order to solve the problem of refuelling at airports that didn't provide MoGas or unleaded petrol, I came up with a plan to carry a 20 litre jerry can safely secured in the back seat of the drifter. It's a tandem two-seater. This way, I had an effective 80 litre carrying capacity that equated to four hours of safe flying more than enough to get from one refuelling station to another. Now, despite the bitterly cold 20-25 knot headwind I experienced from Boona to Gundawindi, all was still going to plan thanks to the additional fuel carried. It was when I arrived at Mungindi airport that my plan went south, as it were. Upon landing and checking my fuel levels, I could see that 20 litres still remained in my tanks. And with about 45 minutes left to Lightning Ridge, where i have been resting for the night, at a fuel burn rate of approximately 13 litres an hour, I didn't think it necessary to untie the full jerry can strapped to the rear seat and top up the tanks for good measure. I hear a gasp, and for good reason. Setting off from Mungindi to Lightning Ridge, I made damn sure I followed my Garmin 12 GPS meticulously in order to maximise my range and get there with a safety margin in hand. Or so I thought. I'd arranged with a friend in Lightning Ridge to orbit above his house until he came outside to give me a wave, which would confirm to me that he would meet me at the airport situated at the southern edge of the town a mile from his house. Everything was on schedule. I flew over his house at 1000 foot AGL and circled for a couple of minutes, at which time he came out his front door and gave me the wave. As I turned the nose towards the airport about one mile away, the engine began to wind down. Surely not. Had my fuel calculations been wrong? This didn't matter much. A few seconds later, the engine went silent, much to my horror. Instinct kicked in, as is often the case in our fight or flight response to an emergency. Without hesitation, I adopted the drifter's best glide speed of 50 knots and aimed for the nearest section of the airport. It was apparent, as I continued my glide approach, that I was going to undershoot the airport's boundary fence by a matter of several meters, and there were large gum trees obstructing my glide path en route to the boundary fence. I was in serious trouble. it sheer luck or perhaps the whisper of an angel in my ear, but at that precise moment I remembered my earliest flying experiences in gliders. If you find yourself undershooting the runway threshold by only a small margin, pitch the nose down on short final instead of stretching the glide, as many pilots have tried and failed. Build up as much airspeed as you can and while in ground effect, Use your added speed and the reduction in induced drag to create a bit more gliding distance and hopefully pitch up and over the fence between you and the runway. Sure, the landing might be heavy, but at least you'd be moving forward, not stopping abruptly as you either fall out of the sky, stretching the glide, or hitting the fence just short of the field. So within a few hundred metres of the airport boundary fence, I trusted my intuition. Pitch the nose down for extra speed and dive for the ground trying not to hit one of the many scattered gum trees as I weave narrowly between them. Once in ground effect, I could feel the aircraft riding on a cushion of air that would hopefully carry me not only to the boundary fence, but over it as well with the excess lift I generated from the additional airspeed and a reduced drag factor. With trees flickering past me on both sides and the two metre fence rapidly approaching from in front, my life certainly did flash before me would it all come to a crashing end? It was now or never. I pulled back hard on the control stick in order to raise the nose and balloon over the fence. I was waiting nervously for the ominous twang of the wheels hitting the fence that would follow if my attempt was unsuccessful. But the twang never occurred. I had cleared the fence. Next came the landing I knew would not be gentle. In order to clear the fence, I had to put my drifter into a low-level stall. I down-pitched the nose steeply from a height of about 10 feet, as I held on tightly like a bull rider does for his seven-second ride of terror. Bang! The left wheel was the first to impact the ground hard, buckling as it did with its axle snap in two. Then, as the left wheel strut dug into the soft grass, it acted as an anchor, which induced a 180-degree ground loop before sliding to a halt. So there I was, looking straight back at where I'd come from, relieved to be completely unscathed, but shaken nonetheless. My glider training had saved the day, but not my dignity. Once out of the aircraft, I immediately checked my fuel tanks. To my surprise, there were seven litres still remaining in the lower tank. How could this be? My fuel burn calculations at Mungindi had been correct after all, and yet here I was, smeared across the edge of a deserted airport. Upon later investigation, it was determined that the fuel intake of this particular drifter model limited its total usable fuel capacity to 53 litres. In other words, 7 litres were unusable. As this was my first navigational flight on a drifter with these unique specifications, I was unfamiliar to its pitfalls. However, this, in no shape or form, gets me off the hook. Whether it's your first flight in a particular type of aircraft, or your 100th flight, know your aircraft specifications off by heart. Because one day, this knowledge might just save your life. And remember, a few extra minutes on ground pre-flighting could mean an extra few decades on your life.